This is Marketing Then and Now, a talk and tell with Bozo where we talk with experts about trends and practices, current and tried and true, and we tell you how to implement them in your own marketing strategies. It's Marketing Then and Now, now. And welcome to what is expected to be a lip-smacking, heart-thumping episode of Marketing Then and Now at Talk and Tell with Bozell. My name is Jim Mingi, and I will be your host on this magical experience today. And you know what? I'm just going to go out and say it right off front. You've tuned in to what is going to be a dandy of a podcast. You know why? Because today we have Jackie Miller, the CMO at Bozell, your favorite award-winning advertising and marketing agency. And she's going to kick off a new Bozell podcast series focused on influencers in advertising and marketing. Jackie, welcome. Hi, thanks. Influencer. It sounds so important when you say influencer, but you know, if you're an influencer with a, you know, 10,000 followers, you kind of are a big deal. You are important. And I think marketers who have worked with influencers already know this. Uh, they already know how big of an impact an influencer can have on your marketing campaign because they've seen it firsthand. But maybe you're a marketer who's just dipping your toe into the influencer waters for the first time, just trying to see if it's the right fit for you. Either way, this podcast series is for you. For this first episode in our four-part episode series, Jackie is going to be sharing her insight from working with influencers on campaigns over the years. We'll start with the basics, who they are, how they get here, how they evolved over the past 10 years, and how they've moved beyond not just social media, but in some cases, they become trusted news sources. So we'll cover how marketers, you know, how you can discover influencers, we tap into that reach, get into some ROI on influencers. We'll have a variety of things that we're going to discuss. So let's just kick it off again with that brief overview. Who are these people? Where did they come from, Jackie? And, and why are marketers so gaga over them? Oh, well, it's uh, I find that influencers and the influencer strategy has evolved over the last 15, 20 years alongside, you know, social specifically. When we gave a bullhorn to everyday human beings, the first people to sort of early adopt it were much more the macro influencers. How could celebrities and athletes and folks that have fame capitalize on that fame for the brands and the passions and the hobbies that they that they love? And so I think as people cultivated their social following influence has shifted from an in-person influencer. So who does everybody in your friend group call when you're working on a budgeting project for your, to <laughs> a, sure. afford a, a home loan or something else? So all of a sudden, what you used to have a guy for that or a girl for that, now those centers of influence have been given a bullhorn. And so we, you know, I, I like to think about, you know, years and years ago when the mom and blogger aspect really started taking off and there was conferences yeah. and everybody's focused on the mommy blogger. Well, they weren't pediatricians. They weren't, they weren't necessarily the experts or the thought leaders, but they had a center of influence with a group of, of other mothers and, and, folks in the industry and they were able to start parlaying who they were in their center of influence to start reviewing products to start and sharing their real life experiences that's it I was mean, all done in an authentic know. sort of real life way and people started really focusing in marketing on targeting a specific audience right so i'm going to follow you around with these shoes that you just look what looked at on the internet and We've now, we're coming full circle. We're coming back to a place where 
your center of influence is contextual. But that doesn't mean that that it has to be aligned to exactly what it is that you're an expert in. For instance, an example, at Bozell, we worked with Sue Honey Association Co-op, and we teamed up with Julianne Huff as an influencer. Mm-hmm. Julianne mm-hmm. Huff is a Dancing with the Stars celebrity, but we were tapping into her center of influence for her audience uh, for healthy eating and food tips because people follow her for those sorts of things, not just because. So I think we're starting to see contextual come back into the marketplace in a way. And, and it really just proliferated from macro all the way down to micro influencers. And now even micro influencers have their center of influence, but it's contextual as well as, as their small group or larger group of folks that follow them. And so it's, it's really just going almost back in time to product placements and, you know, there's various ways to leverage, but what we found is the most successful tends to be the ones that are on brand, but on customer, meaning they're authentic and it's a real, it's not just a paid for, we put words in their mouth. We, we give them the opportunity to share their experience and that is a way to amplify, but it's less controlled messaging. So industries are, influencers are now sort of everywhere. And so you have to be really specific about what are you going to use it for and why I think that it's important to know those things because sometimes influencer is a channel, but it's also a human being and a part of the audience. And so when the audience becomes a distribution channel, there's a, there's different considerations. But ultimately, I think influencers and thought leadership are sort of intertwining. And ultimately, what used to be, you know, commentators on YouTube are now getting quoted in major news articles, built that audience and that trust with an audience. And now you're seeing even major news networks leveraging influencers as a way to access that audience with a trusted voice. That's a big deal. That's what I mean, we've gone from, you know, talking about how great this honey is or how great this shampoo is to giving, you know, their take on major issues of the day popping up on CNN. That's quite an evolution. And, and, and that, that highlights the power that they have. We talked about how influencers have extended their influence beyond that social media, becoming that trusted news source. So for marketers looking to tap into influencers, obviously this sounds awesome. How do I get it? You know, I'm a business. I want an influencer. How do I get an influencer? Where do I go? Where do I start? What are some effective strategies? And you touched on this a little bit to identify the right influencer for your brand, for your product, whatever it is. Uh, and how can they, how can we create those meaningful collaborations? How do you, how do you get started? I guess that first one is finding that influencer that matches your, your goals, your objectives, and then, then what? I would argue the best way to find the right influencer for your brand is to find out what influencers your audience is paying attention to. So here at Bozell, we call it close to the customer. And sometimes it's close to our customer's customer. In this case, it's understanding who is your customer and how are they behaving? What do they believe in the marketplace? Who do they trust? Is it friends and family? Is it more pediatricians and doctors, for instance? So depending on the area that you're focused on, identifying who and what the audience believes and what their behaviors are and who influences those. If it's friends and family, maybe that tells you you should be looking for micro-influencers within a very specific community versus if it's if it's more broad-based content, 
that you need an awareness play on, maybe it's more of a macro that people listen to or watch. You know, do they watch the local news or do they watch the national news? Like those sorts of behaviors and beliefs, that's where I would start to decide who and where it makes sense. So first you start being on customer. Who is it in their lives? Maybe it's somebody that's unrelated to your topic area. You know, Julianne Huff, we brought up as an example, she's a celebrity and a dancer, not necessarily a nutritionist, but we went with that because we were creating awareness and we already knew a trend with millennial moms was wanting raw and unfiltered honey because it is healthier for their kids. It's not processed. And so we went after somebody who had an influence on that audience regardless of the fact that they're not a nutritionist or a food scientist, et cetera. So influencers are people that have relationships with our audience. And so we start with our audience. We reverse engineer who are the influencers of that audience. Is influencers the right approach? Are the influencers more thought leaders and news where it's more of that style of a pitch? Or are they are they more of a micro influencer and it's more of social editorial and gifting them an experience so that they share that experience with their group. So ultimately being on brand and on customer, most brands start influencer strategy with exactly the question you asked me, Jim, which is, I want to get in on this influencer game. Who do I go after and what are my goals and how do I do it? But you're skipping the why. Ultimately, you have to start with the audience and then you figure out, okay, who are the influencers that influence that behavior and that belief at the right time? And then you back into how do you develop a partnership with them? Is it long form blog content? Are they an influencer on Instagram? Are they a YouTuber? What is it? Where is their center of influence? And then building out a program where you're integrating the content into their authentic platform. Because the other part of this is authenticity. Influencers, if they are being paid to do something, people know it. And so they have to be given the permission to be honest about it. So it's really about crafting an experience that's authentic for their audience, still on brand, but able to move the needle for return on investment. That authenticity, I mean, obviously some of them do it much better than others. Um, sometimes those those influencers are so smooth. They're just, they're seasoned pros. It's like, oh, you're halfway through and you're like, wait a minute, they're selling me a freaking product here. <laughs> wait a minute, <laughs> I'm being pitched. Yep. Um, well, I like this. I think this sounds awesome. I want an influencer for my brand. What's this going to cost me? What's my return on investment? What is this? Uh, is this something where obviously it's the more followers you have, the, and the more influence you have, the, the more you're going to charge? But I mean, are we talking, you know, a few hundred dollars for a small influencer versus thousands and tens of thousands? So it's an investment. So with my investment, whatever level that becomes, what can I expect on my return? What kind of return, and how do I measure that? Yeah, I think it starts with the objective. So if we start with the audience, like we talked about before. Is it a smaller trade B2B audience, in which case we're going after fewer people? That influencer might cost more, but they're going to the right people to qualify those leads. So your key performance indicators for ROI are going to be based on what it is you're trying to accomplish with an influencer. So if it's an awareness play, you might be paying more money for the eyeballs, but the idea is if the person they trust is the person telling them about this, are they more likely 
is our conversion rate higher because it's coming from a person that is an influencer for that audience member versus sure. coming from the brand. And so the way we track that, oftentimes we'll have UTM codes or special codes or links that we give specific ads that surround those things so that we can say, okay, we have 10 influencers on our plan. These three drove 50% of our conversions. So we know we should invest more with more partnerships with them. Other ones, maybe not so much. If the goal is awareness, then we're looking at macro influencers. And really the goal is just how many clicks did we get and were they qualified or did they bounce? But the other aspect of this too is there's non-paid influencers. So maybe it is gifting an experience and getting them by gifting them free tickets to something, they're going to share their experience. That's Mm -hmm. a very different style, but the return on investment could be much higher. Those types of things tend to be ways. So an example, what we did for 529 college savings plans. So we had done ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And we sent an actual like little gift card to college savings plans. We sent that to news media to share out, but we also sent that to influencers. The influencers were sharing on their channels and we were able to track what they did and how they amplified what we were doing in the rest of the paid strategy. And so I think it's it's identifying what role influencers play and then who and how are they doing that. But ultimately, you have to start with who and why. And so that audience and understanding who you're going after and why you're using the influencers. Is it an awareness play? Is it an engagement play? Is it Is it a conversion play? And we're looking for more qualified leads. So all of those things are measurable, but it really is dependent. The ROI is going to be dependent on what it is you're looking for. Is it attendance at an event? Is it more products sold? How do people consider buying those products? And at what point during their discovery process would having an influencer help? And I think it's just important to think you can have thought leaders that are influencers. You can have influencers that are just influencers. They don't necessarily have thought leadership, but they have the eyeballs. And so how you judge the return on investment is going to be dependent. But it's reminiscent of like a website. When people ask what a website is going to cost to build, it's like 5,000 to 500,000. What do you want it to do? Yeah. And, And so I think of influencers in that same way. You could spend nothing and gift an experience and hope for coverage, but you can go all the way up to spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on mass channel macro advertising. It's like you're approaching this almost, you know, like as you would have traditional advertising with those audience members, you know, these influencers, you know, do you want just the most bang for your buck? And this influencer has a million people, but they might not necessarily be your target audience, but we're going to hit a ton of them. Or do you want that niche audience that is exactly who you're looking for, but it's much smaller. It's going to cost a little more. I mean, it sounds like, you know, you're selling, you could be selling me a radio ad or a TV ad or any other type of ad. So it's just such a fat. And it's- so the audience becoming a channel for distribution, you have to think about them in both ways. You know, social media can be a paid advertising space, but it can also be an organic one for your own channels. And influencers are the same way. And and so it's important to remember they're an audience as much as they are a channel. And how are you going to leverage them in both ways? Love it. I love it. Well, yeah. Well, as you can see, uh, 
there's a reason we're doing four part series to the, to influencers because there's just so much to talk about. Jackie, thank you for, you know, kicking this off, giving us a little taste of, you know, what these influencers are, where they came from, how you can work with them, how you can use them to help your brand. I, I love the information about audiences and the way you would approach a traditional ad buy. So um, again, great information. Let's, let's wrap this up by maybe just taking a quick look ahead. What do you think is the next big trend, the next big thing in the influencer marketing landscape. Um, you know, how do how do we stay ahead of the curve, and what's the latest in the influencer world? Yeah, you know, I think a handful of things. What we talked about in our last podcast series, an AI and AI generation has been for a group of creators. That's been definitely a trend of dabbling in and whether you're for or against AI, I feel like influencers are having to sort of stake some claim in that. I also feel that the world of thought leadership, you know, influencer marketing, and then lead gen type, usually focused on the B2B side, they're all kind of converging, right? And so it's not, the lines are blurring further as our social lives sort of fragments among gaming. And, you know, we have X, formerly known as Twitter. We've got Meta, who's added threads in. We've got Instagram. We have YouTube. We have TikTok. We have Snapchat and a million others. And as that ecosystem changes, how influencers, thought leaders, content creators, how they all intermingle is going to continue to change. And so the focus has to maintain on the audience. And if we maintain on our core audience as our stakeholders, it's a a wonderful mix of those things, but it's going to continue to be a mix. And the more you can intermingle tactics like influencer, like thought leadership within PR, within own channels, you know, influencers getting paid to be in ads is a thing that we're seeing spike over the last few years. Is that going to continue? Does that remove some of the authenticity of these influencers? And so I think the true litmus test is going to be as we, as we intermingle original thinkers and content creators with thought leaders, with influencers, and then how that affects mass media channels. They all have a role to play. Um, But I think it's going to be less one or the other. Here's these separate silos and influencers are going to start to permeate more than just the outreach aspect. They're going to start dabbling more and more in content creation because they have to keep an engaged audience. And so you're starting to see thought leadership, content creation and influence all sort of combining and and creating and finding the right human beings to carry your message to your audience is the holy grail. You know, you and I, Jim, talked about what's the we got asked one time, what's the holy grail? grail of PR. And our response was as seen on your newsfeed. So, you know, it used to be the tag of as seen on TV was like the moniker. But now I think the holy grail is as seen on your newsfeed, whether that's any of your social channels, whether that's your best friend talking about it or an influencer you follow talking about it. At the end of the day, I think as seen on your newsfeed, whether that's paid, earned or owned is going to be the thing that influences decision making. And so we should focus more on the audience and the mix of how we're how we're influencing that audience and less on the tactic. Well, now everybody can see uh, why everybody at Bozell's the first call they make when they have a question about pretty much anything to do with marketing. 
Jackie is our first call. So Jackie, <laughs> Jackie uh, you have been a, 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 an amazing guest once again. Thank you for kicking off this series on influencers. Uh, remember, this is just part one of the four part series. So be sure to keep an eye and an ear open for that. Actually, you know what? Better yet, why don't you just subscribe? Subscribe yeah. to the podcast, then you get an alert. When the new when well, a new podcast drops, feel you can free. feel free. I am open <laughs> to be a paid influencer. So <laughs> we we would take influencers for for our podcast. So whoever wants to, to I'm open for paying gigs. <laughs> Good, give us a call. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, thanks for joining us. Until next time, this is Jim Mingi signing off from the Bozell Studios somewhere in Middle America. Mm-hmm.